At Morgan Stanley, old school hard work meets bold new thinking. At 88 years old, we still see the world with the wonder of new eyes, helping you discover untapped possibilities and relentlessly working with you to make them real. Old school grit, new world ideas. Morgan Stanley. To learn more, visit morganstanley.com slash why us. Investing involves risk. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, LLC. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Friday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer, David Faber at the New York Stock Exchange. There is one story this morning, and it is jobs, 266,000 jobs created in November, crushing estimates and taking the unemployment rate back to a 50-year low of 3.5. We've got it covered top to bottom. We'll talk to Larry Kudlow after the open. Europe has extended its gains this morning, and yields highs of the day with the 10-year approaching 1.86 now. Our roadmap begins with that blockbuster jobs report. Futures point to a strong rally at the open. As employers add 266,000 jobs last month. Plus, top White House economic advisor Larry Kudlow is going to join us. It's a first on CNBC. Of course, we'll talk about jobs, the markets, and who knows what else. And Uber safety concerns. The ride-sharing company disclosing thousands of assaults in the past couple of years. That's stronger than expected November payrolls number, boosted by hiring in healthcare, restaurants, and transportation. The return of those GM workers from their strike also played a role in auto parts. Wages up 3-1 from a year ago, Jim. We were looking for a little bit less than that, which has some wondering whether or not inflation is returning to the narrative. Well, I, I think that you can actually look at a couple of the number, you know, numbers different ways. If you actually adjust the cost, you don't see that. Uh, you just see a 1%. I, I will say... As I said in uh, that tease I did with the people from Squawk, this is sometimes you get these really good numbers and they're really good numbers. And you just if you try to find fault with them, it leaves you uh, uh, unable to win. There really is a bad number to find fault. Well, I'm not saying wage growth is a fault. No, no, I'm just no, I'm just saying that that uh, we create a lot of jobs in the country and maybe I know this is Hershey. Maybe the workers are making a little more money and maybe that's good is what I'm saying. I just I find that we've had this kind of expansion and the workers haven't really participated on a wage basis. Here, maybe they're making a little extra, which isn't bad. I think that the Fed wants to see a little bit of inflation just because we don't we do know there's big inflation among the CEOs. But this is more of a, a number that shows maybe it's finally trickling. Tri- oh, I'm going to use a Larry Cudlow word. Trickling down. Oh, to well, the- non-supervisory, three-month annualized, 4%. Yeah. 4%. But isn't that okay? I mean, don't we want people to make a little more money when, when things are good? I think you expect people, I mean, the average uh, number of hours worked didn't go up, but the, the distribution of where they added jobs was really kind of amazing because you did get some manufacturing, even against GM, but you saw healthcare go up a lot. Government, nothing, uh, which is, you know, used to see the government up big. Uh, I, I don't find a lot of fault with this because I actually am in, in the camp, this is like kind of the LBJ, JFK camp, that you want workers to make, you know, the expanding pot. So you got expanding pie. That's good news. And I, it, I find it difficult. Hate them or like them. It's a good number. I mean, the, the, the conversation will eventually turn then to margins and wage pressures and the effect on companies. Though. Well, but I also think that where we're supposed to have, when you put through major tariffs, we're supposed to have a slowdown. We're supposed to have real bad inflation from uh, what comes in that is taxed, the, the tariff. And 
we don't have either. I think the conversation may go to the other way, which is what happens if we win the trade war? Do we even have enough workers for manufacturing? This number's quite different from that, that ADP number we had the other day. It, it shows an economy that is putting in jobs without a lot of inflation. Fifty years ago, we had this, but we had a huge amount of inflation. Then we had a recession. We had stagflation when we had these numbers last. Now we have the opposite. So I think and I was listening to Squawk. Even the uh, card-carrying Democrat was saying that it's a pretty good number, although he blamed it. Uh, he cited that it was a Janet Yellen economy. There's a fellow in Squawk Box. He seemed like a nice fellow. Um, 205,000 uh, free month job growth pace. Um, private sector making up about 200,000 of it. I mean, it's obviously largely there. You pointed out government not. And right. the services sector, obviously, the, the key here, as you pointed out, healthcare as well. Um, but overall, good. David, is Average it, weekly it, earnings, what, 3.1% year over year. And as you pointed out, again, guys, just to get through the numbers, 34.4 was the uh, number of hours worked. That was right. sort of in line. Yeah, I mean, I think that this is one of those numbers where uh, you have to start wondering about all those things you learned in, in economics class, you know, the, the, stuff, the Phillips curve and stuff. I mean, because, you know, we're creating a lot of jobs, and, and it, it's not producing what it's supposed to be producing. When I studied with Galbraith and Otto Eckstein, I mean, not that I was taking serious notes because I was busy buying stocks, but I, I did think that the numbers weren't, it theoretically aren't supposed to be able to happen. But maybe that's the Amazon factor. Maybe maybe that's the factor of of, of services not really having being able to grow of, of retail doing so. Targets of the world, the Walmart's doing well. Meanwhile, you can't expect the Fed's going to keep cutting, can you? With an economy moving like this, I, I actually think that is the question. Why do they have to? Um, the dollar's actually been weaker now. I know. It, I think you could keep a cut in reserve, but th- this is a great number. I know that the Larry's going to come on and say, Larry Kudlow, say that we still need to cut rates. I, 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 I don't, I, do you think he really believes that? Maybe. What am I, Karnak? I mean, he probably, he probably sees that there is potential in the labor force, right? And it could be better. Yeah, well, I mean, still, will, there's still a lot of people who are discouraged, right. and that's a shame. There's still that 63%. Uh, so you could argue that they need to get it even stronger. I, I think that if you really want to win against China, and that's what I'm using now, win, then we do need the Fed to, to have the back of the country. Because I think this is the number that says, the, I think the president could walk away today. I think you should walk away. Walk away. From the talks. From the talks. Enough. What they do? Allow a little more pork to come in? That's the report this morning. Like General, uh, General Cho speaking out there? Soy. Got Xi and Cho. I mean, come on. They, they need the soy. They need the hogs. I mean, I was with someone yesterday's third largest buyer of hogs. And I got to tell you, from my perspective, here's the way I feel about this. Why even why don't they just come in and do something big? Because I think the president now has the ammo to say, listen, guys, the talks. All right. So the the job numbers you think give them give the U.S. the leverage to just not worry about. I know I'm a harder line. Not I'm a harder line than the president. I'm a harder line than Navarro. Navarro. I'm a harder line. than Yeah. Well, I don't know. Really? Could you really be harder? At this point, yes. Um, my understanding, though, is the Chinese, I mean, first of all, they keep coming down in terms of their offer on agriculture overall. Yes. When you go back six months, where they were numbers-wise and where they are yes. now, but that's the way the Chinese negotiate. Well, if that's the way you negotiate, it's you called maybe want to take your earlier pickling. deal instead of this deal. And then the question, what I've also heard is the Chinese are done. They're sort of like, this is it. And now the negotiations between Lighthizer and Trump. I like that. I, like, I, I will tell you, I deal with a lot of retailers. 50% was from China on average. Now it's about 35, 40. You keep, you keep these talks so that they don't conclude. It might get down to 25. And then what happens with the Belt and Road Initiative? Hey, you see the, you know, the did you see the stuff about, uh, uh, about uh, the World Trade Organization? You know, we're still supporting, 
we're still supporting them. We're still, I mean, we're lending, we're lending money. The World Bank is no, lending money the to them. Bank. The World Bank. Lending money's Kyle Bass has been on a. Uh, a, he's your buddy. Yes, he's your he's buddy. An old dear friend of mine who's well, on a crusade to say he's that, keeping, they continue that China to lend. has been benefiting from lending from the World Bank, and it makes absolutely no sense. And that they, in some ways, almost he he argues, control the organization. So, so you know what's happening? We are lending we are the through the World Bank. Yes. we're lending them. We want to get it down to 1.3 billion. We're lending the Chinese money. Yes. Now that's why I say I'm harder line. Because the administration seems to be capable of trying to get it down to 1.3. I think they should be kicking in money to the World Bank. The second largest economy. Why aren't they kicking money into the World Bank? No, and the reason why is because they're giving money, Belt and Road Initiative to each country. You, you go are, into you, you go are, to Milan. You're channeling. You up. You move beyond Navarre to Bannon. By now. far. Yeah, you're not like, Bannon. I'm much further than Bannon. You go to Milan. You go from the airport. Do you, all you do is see these Belt and Road Initiative signs in English, in English that the Chinese are giving money directly to Italy. Meanwhile, they're using our money from the World Bank to give the money to Italy and Venezuela. Not that I want to conflate those two, because one place is just dynamite. Venezuela needs as much as it can get. That's well, the I'm sorry. You, you compare, I, I mean, I'm not, I am, I, let's hear where Larry Kudlow is. We're going to I, what? Well, I think he still wants to do trade. He's still in the James Bond, and I'm in the Goldfinger. Do you, no, Mr. Bond, I want you to die. To die. Uh, meantime, uh, other corporate news this morning. Uber says it's received more than 3,000 reports of sexual assault during 1.3 billion rides in the U.S. last year. Its first biennial safety report, the company says that was down 16 percent from a year earlier and details efforts for further safety improvements. Average of uh, 3 million rides a day, uh, 3,000 sexual assaults, 107 fatalities, 19 fatal physical assaults. It's hard to know how this compares to just population at large. I, and I've been trying to find out, uh, dealing with them, and I can't seem to get a, an answer. I know it's pretty early out there, but I would say there is not only no silver lining to this number. I, I use Uber, and my wife uses Uber, my kids use it, and I found this Friday. I mean, you, we forget really? Uber is a global company. Right, but I don't think that, I mean, to me, until proven otherwise... It did make me feel like they do not necessarily screen. It, you know, I, I, I found these. Did you not find these numbers surprising? I didn't really have much of one way or the other. I didn't have a context is hard to understand. Well, I, that's what understand. I asked for. I said, give us some context versus regular cab right. drivers or something. But I, I, I found it. I found it. Uh, disconcerting. Sure. How about that? It was disconcerting. Uh, they're, they're out uh, pretty forcefully in the press today, full-page ads talking about uh, the report, the survey. Uh, they do say uh, this is just the start of our, uh, 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 our larger efforts. Uh, we realize that nothing can ever be 100% safe, but that no. doesn't mean it shouldn't be our ambition. But, and I thought that was the, the good thing was they admit it and they're going to put things in action. The bad thing was, wow, that was, I, I regarded the statistic overall without the context as being that they do not have the kind of screening that you would like to think for someone you're driving around with. Listen, let's go back to London, where 14,000 drivers were not who at least they said they, they were. were. Yes. Uh, and they've been, I mean, I, you can't, maybe I'll, they went on appeal there in some fashion. They tell me they are. That was a, that's a profitable market for them. It's you know, an uh, area where they're making money, London. Well, the, certainly one of the more important metro areas that Uber operates in for them. Well, the cost is going to be so there. The cost is so much cheaper than the, the, the black cars. They're yeah. really nice. I, I, use, I use Uber when I'm in London. I, I, I actually, I, I never, I mean, why not just save a lot of money? 
this way. That's a real diversion. But when I look at the numbers, you know, Tony West was speaking with NBC News. Tony, Tony West, West, you should tell people who Tony West is. He used is. to be, he was in the most respected member of the Justice Department. He went against the banks. But now he is. Now he's their general counsel. Right. And you can't, this guy's unassailable. He's going to put out every detail. And I think that's fantastic. But he did not give the context of this detail. Maybe this is the average rate of cab drivers and they just didn't put it in the context. That's what we need. And then I would feel better. And maybe they have it. Yep. Uh, we'll talk more about Uber, of course, uh, price still below those opening trades when the IPO occurred a few months ago. When we come back, we'll talk more about the jobs number, uh, trade, of course, and more with Chief White House Economic Advisor Larry Kudlow. That's coming up uh, later this morning, uh, just after the opening bell. We'll get Kramer's Mad Dash, take a look at futures here. Uh, the Dow is trying to erase the deficit for the week. As it stands right now, we'd be looking at the worst week since October 4th. Back in a moment. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Getting some activity in bonds this morning on that strong jobs number. Let's get to Rick Santelli at the CME. Morning, Rick. Yes, uh, a lot of activity pretty much everywhere. And as you look at an intraday of the two-year note yield, that could be fives, tens, thirties, boons. Pretty much they all look the same. A big spike kind of looks like the Sears Tower there. The data was all good. Wage data was good. Revisions on wage data were positive. And indeed, if 164 right now. We are now up five on the day, up three on the week. And if you look at a November 1st start to 10 year, should we close here? Be the best close since about the 13th of November, as you see on that chart. And at 186, we're up five on the day, up eight on the week. And let's look at a one week of boon deals. Now, boon deals haven't taken out the early week high yields yet, but obviously they're closing higher on the week. But the point of the chart here is with Boone's is that we continue to see that not only do they follow us, they actually are gaining a little bit more horsepower. Their volatility is getting tighter. And many believe we're going to get ever closer to zero bound. So we want to pay very close attention. Finally, the dollar index. Wow, it's up about a quarter of a cent. Now it's close to unchanged before the number. But the problem is, as you look at a one-week chart, even though we're up on the day, we're down over a half a cent on the week. And, of course, we're going to continue to monitor how we respond if we get closer to the 190 mark. Right here around 185, 186, and 10s, many day traders are going to be selling against the pop on the number and, of course, paying close attention to the New York opening of the stock market. Carl, David, Jim, back to you. Okay. Thank you, Rick Santelli. Now it's time for a uh, mad dash as we get you ready for that market open about 13 minutes from now. Let's, uh, let's turn to a stock, though, that you have spent a lot of time here talking right. about through the years. Though I, it's been a while since it's been a feature on the mad well, dash. You know why? Because there is a definitive makeup slowdown in the country, and Mary Dillon, the unbelievable CEO of that's where it happened when we, we first heard about it. Slowdown, Lack of uh, contouring. Contouring what? suddenly became something people weren't doing. Who the heck did you know? 
Because I remember that. Okay. I read that conference right. call that well, day. Well, and, and uh, people are using less makeup, but there's still people putting makeup on there. You know, a lot of this, David, is the Instagram. You know, we're wanting to know, is that Instagram revolution slowing down on likes? Can't tell. Right. But they still managed to put up a 3.2% comp store gain. They're doing a lot on skincare, doing a lot in the back end, and the loyalty's doing all. So a lot of people felt like it was going to continue. And uh, short position build up, and it turns out that they've been, been able to stabilize despite what is known as a classic cyclical makeup slowdown. So, uh, Mary Dilt, most impressive, really a good conference call. Uh, when you have a slowdown and they can do 3.2, can you imagine what happens when we get new, refreshed makeup lines? Right. And the skincare is making up, and you can't, it's, it's not as big as makeup, but that's something, by the way, I, Estee Lauder's been doing both skincare and makeup. Uh, they're Estee Lauder's preferred uh, vendor to. Any idea how long these cycles, this down cycle, or you know, that's an interesting question. Last, I mean, she actually addresses you know when we had the last one. They're not, they don't go long. Uh, But you know what? In between, they're doing so many things technologically and in the back end of the store. uh, They're doing uh, working with you about how to make yourself look better, which is something that a lot of us could use. Uh, I've got to tell you, the last one down cycle, uh, said the most recent growth cycle started in 2014. So that was a five-year cycle. Wow. So, okay. you mean five-year, lean years? No, I don't know. It's not good. It's not a, it's not a, a great cycle for Ulta until I know. Now, you thought I was going to do tractor supply, didn't you? Used to be the key to this market. I know. All right. We've got a lot more speaking of the market, of course, as well. President Trump's chief economic advisor, Larry Kudlow, our former colleague. He'll be uh, joining us to talk jobs and a lot more. More Squawk on the Street, right after this. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. For more than a decade, Comcast has been committed to bridging the digital divide and connecting millions to affordable high-speed Internet. But the barriers to get connected go well beyond affordability. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to reach millions with digital skills training, resources, and opportunities needed to succeed in a digital world. Project Up, building a future of unlimited possibilities. Learn more at Comcast.com slash Project Up. Dow needs uh, 373 points to erase the deficit for the week. It's going to get there uh, to a large degree. Futures look to be up what, 200. Opening bell in eight minutes, followed by our interview with uh, Larry Kudlow on the jobs number. Don't go away. You're watching CNBC Squawk on the Street, live from the financial capital of the world. Opening bell in five minutes on this busy jobs Friday. If you missed the number, 266,000, well above the estimate of 187. Unemployment rate down to 3.5. Wages up 3.1 year on year. Just a barn burner of a number. Along with some incremental uh, headlines on China trade, waving some chi- uh, some pork and soy tariffs, Jim. Yeah, it's still too minor. I mean, it's stuff that they actually need. It's not saying that we want them to do some boondoggle buy. 
but it's just lowering some tariffs and stuff. They have a big pork shortage because of the Asian swine flu. Zoetis has got some really good numbers in that because they've been really keeping track of it. Uh, not what the, uh, that's not what the president wants. The president wants a serious buy, and that's not it. Uh, that's just a incremental, and that's not going to get them uh, going to get them anywhere if they want to have a serious talk. Right. Um, some decent research, uh, Jonas at Morgan Stanley on Tesla, upping oh, the bull we, case to 500. We, okay, so we got to talk about this guy. I mean, what is, what's his bear case? Like 10? I don't know. The, the, the base stays 250. He takes the bull case to 500 <laughs> on potential success of the Cybertruck and what he's already written about, which is margins in China. But he says that things aren't long-term good. Long-term, we're all going to be dead. I mean, I, I, I thought that was a shockingly... A, a, a fatuous piece of research because he raises his top um, yeah. without really doing anything to say that it's good. I mean, Tesla bull case goes from 440 to 500, but not bullish long term. Uh, Jonas, come on, he's like the Jonas brothers have better numbers than this guy. He's talking about the Cybertruck by year end uh, 2024 selling 100,000 units at 50,000 apiece. 20% EBITDA margins. That's probably more than people are thinking right now. Much more. That's why I say that if I read it, I read him and I said, he's the bullish, most bullish guy. But after all this stuff, he pulls back, says back, look, I'm not a bull. I mean, you can't have it both ways. You can't raise your price target and stay negative. Because when you do that, you tend to be trying to have a thesis. Your thesis isn't, you know, this guy is not letting the facts get in the way of his negative story. He has it wrong. That's bullish. Okay. I get okay. It. You're not respecting his work product here. No, I, I, I think he's, I've, I've seen, he apparently is a super nice guy. I mean, some people say he's a nice guy. I say he's a super nice guy. Some people say he's a good analyst. I say he's a great analyst. But uh, he is a little off when you raise your price target and stay no. negative. Tesla's stock price is well off its lows. Uh, there was a point at this year, as you guys well know, where it traded well below even 200 well, bucks. Well, I mean, doesn't that say something? I thought when they threw the rock through, that was the bottom line for me. When they threw the rock through the window, I said, if this thing sells, if they get a single sale, and no, no, it's like, and now I'm like, you know, my kids are saying, Dad, what are you thinking about the pickup? I said, no, I'm an X guy. All I know is anybody I speak to who owns a Tesla loves it. Yes. Do you see the inch Have you Really? I, I mean, I mean uh, some concerns cars. about... Uh, cons- uh, uh, service, right? There's some, you know, if something goes wrong, it takes a while to get it fixed. Okay. There's no dealer network. But overall, yeah, I would overall, say as a... Yeah. Overall, they very, have very high customer satisfaction. It's a great product. Based on an absolutely flawed me saying, do you like your Tesla? And everybody's like, I love it. Well, how about the big screen? I mean, I don't want to get too granular, but they're fun. And most cars are not fun. And the other day there was an analyst who said all the other pickups may be crummy. I thought that was hard on the I have an F series that I bought, but for Ford, well, but Phil LeBeau read that quote to a Mary Barra. Yeah. She said she's just all about the customer. Yeah, Mary Whatever Barra really wants. demonstrated that she is, yeah. you know? Um, but I, I really feel that the Tesla, the, the Jonas piece is just he's gotta come out and say, look, I'm incrementally more positive. You you cannot use a huge price target and then say, hey, listen, you know what I don't like? It's partly how Morgan Stanley does things, right? In general, they have, there's a large disparity between their bull and bear cases. Industry view cautious. I mean, I I, I don't know. I I found it. I did. I I used the word fatuous. I have to. Bear case, $10. Come on. Bear case, $10 in Tesla. I mean, 
Elon Musk, listen to me. I apologize for a $10 bear case because I'm from this industry. <laughs> there. Let's get the opening bell and the S&P 500 on this uh, Friday morning at the big board forum, Energy Technologies, an oil field products company over the NASDAQ, uh, cannabinoid company, Kronos. Kronos. Yeah, that did not have a two-for-one split, I want to tell people. That was not a two-for-one split. Jim, the other... The big uh, earnings story is probably Ulta, uh, yeah, 225 beats by 12. Yeah, and I've got to tell you, when you have a slowdown, like look at Zoomies. I know David doesn't understand. Zoomies is the key to today's market, Z-U-M-Z. But the numbers there were extraordinary. You're going to see that stock up gigantically. Why? Because they off that skating. Skateboard, David. Skateboard. Really? Yeah. No, that's the hottest. They have 700 stores. It's not as hundreds of stores. The numbers were fantastic. Big lots of numbers weren't nearly as bad as people thought. So you've got a lot of of, uh, companies that were in retail that people thought were going to have bad numbers, and they didn't. And I think that's important. Today's a good retail day. Yeah. I've got some price target increases on Ulta at uh, City, uh, JPM, Piper, and some others. You know, we also had two pieces about how Lululemon's going to have a good number. That's part of athleisure. You know, we saw Sarah Eisen the other night. I miss her athleisure comments. She's been on Lululemon the whole way. That's David. one reason that uh, Sorry. Tapestry gets cut over at Evercore, uh, back to inline, based on, uh, again, just shifting tastes. Athletic Athleisure is coach is a victim. Uh, th- yes, and taste did shift rather radically. One of the things that, uh, that on the Zoomies call, which I advise everyone to read, they say, listen, it's now so fickle. Women's was strong, now women's is weak. Men's is strong. I mean... The, the consumers become very fickle, and uh, Tapestry's not been able to adjust fast enough. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I've been watching this real, real. I know that we did a really, there's an investigation by CNBC into it, but, uh, you know, Coach Retro bags are doing better than Coach. Interesting. Yeah. Um, guys, uh, Monday, as you know, uh, trial's going to start. Uh, state AGs led by the states of uh, California and New York uh, versus Sprint T-Mobile. Uh, challenging the um, the the, uh, the deal itself, saying it would be anti-competitive for consumers. Uh, Judge Morero, right up here, Pearl Street, uh, on Monday. Uh, both sides getting ready, of course, as you might imagine. Uh, opening arguments are scheduled, at least at that point. Let's see what the stocks are doing. Um, you know, a lot of implications here. Implications for Sprint's owner, SoftBank. Implications for T-Mobile and its owner, Deutsche Telekom, remember, which controls that company. For Dish, which stands to gain a great deal in the potential divestitures that will come its way to help try and make it a wireless, nationwide wireless player eventually, if and when that deal closes. Did want to also share one other thing uh, involving the deal and the talks. By the way, this is one of those things that has not been reported but is widely known in the investment community and reflected in the stock prices. Just to go back for a second, the ratio here is. 0.10256, right, of T-Mobile. And that's why we're getting to this. That's 541. 541 is what that amounts to for Sprint. Um, or I should say, excuse me, 789 is what that amounts to for Sprint. It's, five, four, it's 542 right now. So that's the, the biggest percentage. And you see it on the bottom of the screen that, in fact, T-Mobile is thinking about, talking about, and expected to want to cut the price is not a mystery to the market. There is, A, a chance that the states win in court and what that would do. They don't have, remember, they don't even have uh, 
a merger agreement is it's it's expired in the sense of they, anybody can walk away at any time. They haven't extended it. Um, and so that is not a surprise, but I did want to share it because it's out there that if, in fact, you do get to close here, T-Mobile and its parent, particularly Deutsche Tel, given what they believe has been a deterioration in Sprint's business since they first announced the deal and for a variety of reasons, does have the intention of trying to cut the price, what Sprint will stand for, whether they're in a position to say no, hard to imagine. They need this deal as well. First order of business is the trial. That starts Monday. Could take two, three weeks. We're going to watch it closely. If, in fact, they do or if they should settle unexpectedly on the courthouse steps or even in the middle of it, and you do get to it, you do ex- we do expect, and again, this is kind of widely known in the investment community but hasn't really been reported, T-Mobile wants to cut the price. Wow. No, I... I, look, I've been it's, following it's not affecting, it. I, no, it's the not ratio. affecting the stock at all. No. Because it's already trading at a 40-plus percent discount to the 789 that it's worth under the old deal. I mean, I'm looking at it, of course, from the, the other way, which is that how important it is from a, a point of view of, the, of 5G. You really need a, another competitor. Uh, we're second rate in 5G in this, in this country. Everyone knows that. Um, well, versus you know, again, uh, sort of setting the stage for an important trial. Charlie Ergen are going to take the stand at some point. Executives from Team Are you going to go? Course. Are you going to go? Try and go, yeah. At some, uh, that could be great. Are you going to sketch? I will sketch, sure. I'm the worst artist ever, so I'll just draw a, a big circle with a couple of dots. But, but you did just talk about Smile. an untold story. I mean, this deal, we're, we're waiting for us. We're waiting. For, it's been waiting. We're going to keep waiting Okay. Uh, for a long time. But that's great. Um, by the way, sure. when it comes to waiting for a deal, don't wait for Alexion to ever do a deal, the pharmaceutical company. Interesting story here this morning. They out Elliott, essentially. Elliott was in there. We didn't know. And Alexion this morning issues a long press release in which they uh, basically say, um, we had a constructive dialogue with all of our shareholders, and uh, we recently engaged in good faith with Elliott Advisors, uh, in- including their recommendation that we immediately launch a uh, proactive sale process. And they say the board unanimously decided conducting a proactive sale process would not be in the best interest of shareholders and the patients we serve at this time. However, in the interest of transparency, we feel it's important for all our stakeholders to hear about our decision directly from us. They also go on to say that they were not approached by anybody, that uh, they have the benefit of their board's exceptional industry backgrounds, investment experience, M&A leadership, uh, and in deciding it would be inadvisable to follow Elliott's recommendation, they considered, among other factors, it's highly unusual, if not unprecedented, for a biopharmaceutical company of our size and maturity to proactively launch a sales process. And so I thought that was interesting, Jim. Why is the stock up? I guess nobody even a possibility that Elliot's going to keep pushing. Like, they look, do have a previous board member who agreed, by the way, with the red, rest yeah, of the I, I, Everyone thinks this um, one's, you know, that is, David, everyone thought this is one that's in, in takeover talks every single second. Right. Everyone's been saying this is the next one. This is, well, it's obviously not. That's why I'm surprised it's not. And they also say to eliminate confusion and inaccurate information in the marketplace. Today, Alexion has not received any indications of interest. That's incredible. To the company, nor have we rejected any such inbound proposals. Um, so that's Alexion's story there this morning. But interesting when they choose to get, never, get ahead of the activists, so to right, speak, and say, here it all is. That's a highly unusual statement. Yeah, I thought for sure they've been approached. They've got some yeah. interesting drugs. Oh, well, there you go. There so you go. it's an earnings story now, David. Exactly. 
It's an earnings story. <laughs> Guys, uh, best Dow gain since November 1. Uh, S&P has actually gone green for the week. Uh, or did for a moment there. We're just hovering right around that level at uh, around 3141. Uh, financials are working. JPM 135. Jim wow. is an all-time high. Yeah, look, you've got rates up, and that is driving that. But you know what's funny is the pharmaceutical stocks are up too, and they they're not the ones that look at Johnson and Johnson, which has been just a a, a bit of a dog because of the plaintiff's bar. Uh, but that stock's up a dollar. So you've got both this. I mean, it's not even Goldilocks. It's Weirdilocks. Yeah. I mean, you have the drug stocks up at the same time as the bank stocks. Although um, Dr. Horton, the biggest loser right now. Well, I mean, they, are we going to start hearing this? Oh no, that was a brutal. That you know, there they said Lenoir's good. Uh, in that, I, I, I thought that Dr. Horton. They said like its time has passed. I, I don't agree. So with it's that. not a reflection of somehow that rates are going to go higher. No, I think it's just a, a shuffling of the guard. I would have stuck positive with every one of those, but I think they want to distinguish how great Lenar is. And that Lenar is great. I mean, so that's, that's an important call. Uh, it's really financials and then materials, too. Uh, you look at um, Freeport, some other names, Jim. A lot of people feel that that's China being back online. Now, this is like Tech Resources and the Nigerian Brothers. They, David, they saw some unusual option activity in tech, T-E-C-K, the other day. Did they? Yeah. Okay. It's unusual. Unusual. Well, tech is China. We know that. Tech, you buy tech, that's a proxy for Chinese growth. And it's got a lot of buyers. Yep. 3M, obviously, uh, helping lead the Dow. All 30 Dow components, by the way, are higher. This is, um, it, can we just say that um, it is, again, I want to stress how unusual it is. It, this just seems like a big buy program of which I would rather see real real buyers that's buying everything in the S&P, including companies that wouldn't necessarily be the ones you, you wouldn't go for health care on this. Well, we don't know what the machines are doing. We that haven't talked the about machines. them in a while. The it is the machines. Yeah. I mean, like 3M is up gigantically. There's no indication that 3M is doing better, no. but there it goes. Go walk up to uh, Soho or wherever Two Sigma has their uh, headquarters and ask them. Is that like a co-locational? No, two sigma. I mean, they're they're enormous, right? They what are they? Seventy billion? I don't know. David oh no, and that close, like that's the closest you can get, so they can buy faster. No, than the, they're not doing that kind of stuff. They're just no. doing all the. They got all the PhDs running well, all the data, all the programs, and doing I, all that. Stuff. Oh my God! When you look at the board, even colorblind people know it's up. Um, guys, this is a story I, I mentioned the other day, and it's a small company, I know, but I kind of enjoyed this. And structure, remember they got bought by Tom Bravo? Yes. And it's a take under. I know. And then their large shareholder, um, Rivulet Capital, which owns about 5%, came out and said, we're against this. Yeah, cry me a Rivulet. You guys didn't do the work. They come out in structure and said, "Uh, really? We spent 11 months. We had 19 NDAs. 19. We've been working on this. Since mid-June, we entered into non-disclosure agreements with 19 financial sponsors or strategic parties that expressed interest in a possible acquisition. We didn't do our work. We tried the best we could. This was it. Summa cum laude, guys. Yeah. In nothing. In structure. Still trading above. Uh, what the heck is that, David? I know. The Lexion, by the way, is not expensive on earnings, I should mention. Lexion's not? No. no. I mean, but this, this, that kind of thing is totally out of sync with what's going on. Take under there is, I mean, there's a lot of activity right now in, broadly speaking, healthcare, biotech, yeah. and, and I see area. your friend at Bre- Efron's on a lot of places. Yeah, Centerview is, uh, is very busy. It's actually busy. Not, not him. It's, it's another oh. great banker there, oh. Alan Hartman, who's He doesn't get talked about enough, deals. thank you. Yes. A Union Pacific, which is my bellwether stock for the moment, once again higher. That's remarkable, because remember, their cargoes were down 10%. So what does that say? It says that their cargoes could only go up. I don't know. 
that's what we were saying about rail traffic earlier in the year, and then it got worse. Yes, I know, but the, I guess I should have focused on the stocks, not the business. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, as we're talking, OPEC and Russia agreeing to cut half a million barrels a day for whatever that means. Well, we'll hear from Brian later in Vienna. Right. Brian's been doing unbelievable work there. I will say that uh, half a million barrels, the U.S. can make that up if they decide to turn the speed on, which is why the five-year curve remains below where things are now. Five-year curve is still like 53. It's not, you know, things are not great in the oil patch. And I thought that that had been the biggest gainer. That had been the job creator for a long time. That's no longer the big job creator. That's right. By the way, Aramco... Uh, we'll start trading on Wednesday next week. Yeah. Next week's going to be nuts. It Fed, is. Fed meeting, UK election, tariff deadline, Aramco, and House Judiciary, all in the next five sessions. I have vowed not to sleep next week. Really? I know that's Dr. Oz says it's very bad for you. I, I continue to believe that, but you defy that uh, every day. Well, I was out there with the uh, Chipotle guys last night at Bar San Miguel. No slowdown. No? Boy, is that company doing well. Oh, my. I, that stock, I mean, that, I don't even know if you can contain that stock. They're, they're double-digit. After all the things that happened, they have double-digit growth. You've uh, been good on that name. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. And so was you, Bill you were, you were early, you were but early. you stuck with it. You were early. Yeah. Yeah. You sort of weathered some ups and downs. I said there average 18 months. Like, right. 18 months, that's about how long people m- remember. Oh. Hey, is Larry on? Uh, we've been having a couple camera issues, but I think we do have him on the phone uh, oh. on the jobs report this morning. Of course, if you missed it, Labor did say November payrolls up by 266,000. Joining us on the phone with his first reaction from the White House, National Economic Council Director Larry Kudlow. Larry, happy Friday. Good to see you. Or at least talk to you. And to you, Carl. Thank you very much. So help our viewers understand the strength of the number, knowing that we had GM and census sort of clouding the picture, at least going into the print. Oh, look, uh, you know, those numbers up one month down, another cancel each other out. It's a push. I mean, look at the basic theme here. America is working. America is working. Uh, And by the way, the middle class Workers are working. We'll get to their jobs, not, not just their jobs, but their wages. But you're scoring 266,000. And, Carl, don't forget, uh, abstracting from all these things regarding the Census Bureau and the GM strike, you had plus 41,000, plus 41,000 uh, on the revisions. So, actually, you got another 300,000 jobs month, if you will, 301,000 or whatever it is. These are very big numbers, and the interesting thing is on a trend line, you know, you chart your three-month movement, it looked like the economy was softening on the jobs front. Now the jobs front is coming back. That is showing more strength, and I'm thinking uh, you're going to see a CapEx business investment follow-through and, of course, we know the housing industry is very strong as the Fed finally got straightened out and cut interest rates. So, look, bottom bottom line, America's working. These are very strong numbers. These are happy numbers. These are sunny Friday numbers, Carl. Sunny and Friday numbers. Happy working Americans. Larry, in all the years of this gym, I work with you, which was always a great pleasure. You're a great economic historian, too. People don't know that. Can you contrast this versus 50 years ago? Because isn't this number a very much better number than we were at this time, when we were at these levels 50 years ago? 
Uh, let's see. Fifty years ago, you want to put me back into where the seventies, or we haven't quite eighties into stagflation, Larry. We were going uh, into beer header. We had interest, higher interest rates. We went into a recession. We had terrible inflation. Do we have any of those things right now? No. I mean, it's really interesting to me. So you're at three and a half percent unemployment, drop down a tick. Uh, Inflation, you know, by the Fed's numbers, what, 1.4%, 1.5%. So let's get this right. 3.5% unemployment is um, how much? A 50-year low, some odd. And at the same time, the inflation rate is about 1.5%, you know, 1.4%. You know, it's sort of very cool here. We are having growth and jobs and wages. Maybe we'll get to the wages in a moment. We are having all those solid growth, prosperity things without any inflation. We have a steady, reliable, dependable dollar, which I think helps a lot. And so all these Phillips curves are broken, Jimmy. It almost doesn't right. matter. You know, it's like if the, unemployment, if the unemployment rate were 10, the inflation rate would be one and a half. It happens. The good news is the unemployment rate is three and a half, and the inflation rate is one and a half. And I think over uh, a couple blocks from where I am in that big building with all those econometric models and hundreds of thousands of PhDs, I think they're finally figuring out that more people working successfully is a good thing, not a bad thing. I don't, I don't want to waste place to do. Brad, I don't want to be brash, Jimmy. I don't want to go out on a limb. But you've heard this before. More you Americans bet. working is a good thing, not a bad okay, thing. Okay, then, Larry, why does nobody, why do so many people in this country know that the stock market is doing so great? You and I saw those numbers yesterday. Weren't you astonished how few people know how good things are? Well, I don't know. It's kind of the times we live in. You know, you and I kind of play the optimistic side. You and I always take the pro-American side. It has a lot to do, I think, with who we are and who our fathers were working in World War II. For some reason, we don't have those attitudes. But I don't want to get it, you know, at the personal level, Jimmy. It is what it is. It's a very, very good story. Uh, headwinds, you know, we had the Federal Reserve way, way, way too tight in, in, in 2018. But I think now that's going away. They took their foot off the brake. I noticed the balance sheet of the Fed is rising again. I think the monetary base in M2 are up about 14%. So that's good. We're not going to get any help from Europe. All right. That's regrettable. On the other hand, we are cooking up uh, very close to two powerful trade deals. When I say powerful, not only are they well-crafted and will open the door for American exports because we're the most competitive in the world, but it'll add a lot to GDP. In fact, you know what, Jimmy? I was just noodling yesterday. Um, China phase one probably could be half a point or more GDP next year. Uh, USMCA could be half a point or more next year. So that's really something. So uh, yeah. I'm, I'm playing it on the optimistic side. Larry, it's David. Uh, t taking you up on that uh, discussion of trade, you know, you joined us, I think it was November 12th, or joined CNBC, and you were saying then a deal with China is close. Is it still close, and can we expect the tariffs to hit on the 15th uh, of December as still planned? Well, let me say this. The deal is still close. 
it's um, it's probably even a wee bit closer than when I first made that statement in November, but I will stay with the statement. Uh, as you know, the president this past week in both London and Washington, uh, POTUS is saying the deal is moving along very well. Uh, we're having good discussions with China. You probably know the deputy level met again, um, I don't know, yesterday or the day before yesterday. Um, POTUS again said yesterday we're moving along in the right direction. Now, he'll say, of course, uh, it's got to be a good deal. Uh, there's a few buttons that have to be buttoned, and um, they're working on that, as you might guess. I can't uh, speak um, specifically on the remaining issues, but the reality is constructive talks, almost daily talks, we are, in fact, close. With respect to your question on December 15th, David, um, there's no arbitrary deadlines here, okay? There's no arbitrary deadlines, but the fact remains December 15th is a very important date uh, with respect to a no-go or a go on tariffs. These are presidential decisions, David. I can't make them here. I'm not even going to forecast them here. It's going to be totally up to POTUS. But um, December 15th is an important date. You know, Larry, these these talks uh, often get marked by a phrase. Uh, it was final laps by Mnuchin in May. It was short strokes with you on November 15th. Uh, are we still in a short strokes phase? Or what would you what phrase would you use to describe talks right now? Um, intense. I'll, I'll say, <laughs> okay. Uh, it, I, like it's, it's, I mean, I say intense because this is a very important matter. Um, as we've discussed many times with you fellows um, when I've been down here, uh, the president has changed the narrative on China. Uh, he is defending the country. He is defending the American worker. He's defending the farmer. He's defending the manufacturer and unfair trading practices uh, that have been used by China for many years. President Trump will not tolerate that. That's why I use the word intense. This is a very important matter. Now, the president said, I think, uh, when he was in London just before he left, that correctly pointed out the U.S. economy is rising and in good shape. The Chinese economy is declining and in bad shape. Uh, on the other hand, he has said, we, we're getting close. The talks are constructive. And if we can make a deal that works for both sides, we'll make a deal that works for both sides. You can't put any guarantees on it. I would stay with short strokes, but I would add the word intense because um, there is so much at stake here when you go through the various categories. I mean, Jimmy Cramer, you, above all people know, you're the most encyclopedic stock market guy there is, uh, technology and inventions and innovations in technology are the driving force the creative, dynamic force that makes the American economy the best in the world. So, Jim, we can't afford, we must not permit any country, China or whoever, to willy-nilly steal our breakthroughs in technology and advanced microprocessing and, you know, related to 5G. We can't let that happen. 
And so the president is sticking up, not just for farmers and car, auto workers and manufacturers, the president is sticking up for people in the technology sector, which includes, by the by, the financial services sector. So that's another part when I say intense. I'm saying the growth implications here could be terrific, okay? The diplomatic implications could be good, although we worry about national security. But in straight economic terms, when you get right down to it, our family jewels are the technological inventions and innovations and applications that, you know, are our God-given rights to practice. And we just can't Larry, let I, other I countries steal I couldn't agree with you more. And I, I think we have to be willing to walk away if they keep stealing, Larry. If they keep stealing our IP, can't we just walk away and win the trade war? Not compromise, but win. Well, I will tell you this. The president has said many times, if the deal is no good, if the assurances... Uh, with respect to preventing future theft are no good, if the enforcement procedures are no good, he has said we will, we will not go forward. We will walk away. He has said that. Uh, he agrees with at least the spirit of what you're saying. But as a very clever and tough-minded negotiator, you know, he will use the tariffs, but he will use the negotiating table. He's using both. Uh, we got two of the best of the best, my colleagues, Bob Lighthizer and Secretary Steven Mnuchin. Uh, they're working the front lines. Our whole trade team is involved. So, you know, your point is well taken, and the president has said that if we cannot get the enforcements, the assurances, then we will not go forward. Now, I don't want that to sound bearish. That's not my intent. I'm merely responding to your point. You know why? I've got to get you down here. You need to come and sit with President Trump for 30, 40 Done. minutes and talk about this. All right? Well, I'm going to let Done. me work on that and put that together. He is a great admirer of yours, and he loves your spirit on the China story. So I'm going to get that together. Thank you. We'll do it. I'm just just make sure week. we get him back, Larry. I'm available Pardon? more next year. I'm available. You, you may never. If, if I if I get if I get my pal, former partner Jim Cramer down here, you may never see him again, Carl. Who knows? <laughs> That's what we're afraid of. <laughs> well, you're my friend from way back. Thank you, Larry. Fed, we know it. Cutlow and Cramer. Sam, <laughs> we killed it. The we D killed it. The DC. <laughs> oh Lord. Thank Larry, you, Larry. It's Larry, very thanks. Kind. Very kind. Thanks, fellas. All good. Take Larry care. Cutlow, bye bye. Uh, you bet. Director of the National Economic Council. I wish my dad were alive. He would love that. Love Larry so much. All right. So how are you going to process all this tonight? Well, we got to put it in the context of that this is one of those moments where uh, we are a consumer-led economy, and the consumer is so strong. We're not an enterprise-led. This is not an enterprise number. The enterprise stocks should go up less. Uh, I got Bootborn tonight, which is a, probably the fastest-growing retailer I follow other than, uh, well, I, maybe it's the fastest. I, mean, I was going to put it in the watch list, so to speak. Uh, I've got this company, Grocery Outlet. Anybody wants to might like, want to own a grocery store if you listen to him. And then Nitara, this is a company that they have the solution to finding cancer early. So I, uh, these are, I'm just finding these new American companies that I love so much. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And 
producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.